want to welcome you to Daily Drive Time Devotions. This is week five of our look together through the book of Genesis. We're going to chapter a day, so we'll go through chapters 26 through 30 this week. And as we go through those chapters, we get to focus in chapter 26 of the book of Genesis. We get to focus on a man by the name of Isaac. Isaac, he's an interesting man in the kingdom of God and how God worked in his life. As we were walking through Genesis, we've looked at Abraham these last few weeks together, a man who believed. Next few weeks, we're going to be looking at Jacob, a man who struggled. We're going to look at Joseph, a man who dreamed. Between them all stands Isaac. And Isaac, Genesis 26, is the only chapter that's all about Isaac. And in Genesis 26, you find out that Isaac isn't a man who believed or struggled or dreamed. In Genesis 26, Isaac is he's a man who dug wells. That's what he does all chapter long. It gives a kind of a picture of the kind of life that Isaac lived. In fact, all of Genesis 26 sort of goes through how Isaac's life reflected his father's life. Four particular ways. First, in verses 1 to 11, he repeated his father's life and he repeated his father's sins. Let me read those verses for you. Genesis 26, 1 to 11. Now, there was a famine in the land. Besides the earlier famine of Abraham's time, And Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines, in Gerar. The Lord appeared to Isaac and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land where I tell you to live. Stay in this land for a while, and I will be with you. I will bless you. For to you and your descendants I will give all these lands and will confirm the oath that I swore to your father Abraham. I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, and I will give them all these lands. And through your offspring all nations on earth will be blessed." Because Abraham obeyed me and kept my requirements, my commands, my decrees, and my laws. So Isaac stayed in Gerar. When the men of the place asked him about his wife, he said, She is my sister. Because he was afraid to say she is my wife. He thought, The men of this place might kill me on account of Rebekah because she is so beautiful. Now, as I read this about Isaac saying his wife, Rebekah, was his sister, if you've been with us all the way through the study of Genesis, you're probably thinking, that, that sounds familiar. Didn't, didn't Abraham do that same thing with Sarah, not once, but twice? Absolutely, yes. I've heard some people say that this must not be a story really about Isaac here, that somehow the Bible's making a mistake here, that this is, this is about Abraham reflected again. And I I scratch my head when I hear people say that because I think, like, a son can't make the same mistake that his father does. It happens again and again and again. Sons tend to repeat the mistakes of their dads. And as a dad, I hate to say that, but it's the truth. And Isaac had seen a fear reflected in his father's life and a way to respond to that fear reflected in his father's life, and he does the exact same thing here. Not even his own creative way of sinning. He just repeats his father's sins. Now, God, by his grace, God, by his grace, protects Rebekah, even as he protected Sarah. But Abraham and Isaac were both men who faced fears in their lives and needed God's grace shown in their lives. Isaac repeated his father's sins in verses 1 to 11. In verses 12 to 17, he built upon his father's wealth. All the things that his father has done, he's building on. In verses 18 to 22, he redug his father's wells. Not only was Isaac a man who dug wells, he was a man who redug wells. He redug his father's wells. Verses 17 and 18, let me read those verses. So Isaac moved away from there and encamped in the valley of Gerar and settled there. Isaac reopened the wells that had been dug in the time of his father Abraham, which the Philistines had stopped up after Abraham died. And he gave them the same names 
his father had given them. Now, just to sum this all up, in verses 23 to 25, we are told in this chapter that all that happened in Isaac's life happened for the sake of Abraham. In fact, if you want to see how strongly everything is repeated, remember back in verse 5, we read it just a few minutes ago, where God said to Isaac, it is because Abraham obeyed me and kept my requirements that I'm going to bring all these blessings into your life. Isaac received the promise not because he believed or struggled or dreamed, but because Abraham obeyed. There's no getting around it. Isaac has a second-place position in the working out of the plan of God. It's all reflecting the life of Abraham. The highlight of this man's life, without a shadow of a doubt, as far as the promise of God goes, the highlight of this man's life was his birth. That was the big moment that he was born, this promised son, waiting for 25 years. After that, he, he simply follows in the footsteps of his father, and he passes on the promise to his sons. And yet, we are told that Isaac, Isaac was a great man of faith. All throughout the Old Testament, God is called the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Not just Abraham, or not just Abraham and Jacob and Joseph. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Isaac is listed in Hebrews 11 as a great example of faith. Romans chapter 9, verse 10 talks about our father Isaac honoring a great man of faith. This, this man who dug wells, he's an unlikely teacher, and yet he teaches you and I some very important things about God's kingdom. Because all of us must, at times, take a second-place position in God's kingdom. Others may seem more successful. They may seem more important or more noticed. Is there any room for that in the kingdom of God? What should be my reaction to that in the kingdom of God? Isaac, this man who dug wells, digs up some truth about second place for us. Let me just walk through some of these truths that you see reflected in the life of Isaac and that God responds to him and honors him as a great man of faith. It reminds me of the truth that God asks for our best, not that we be first. We in America, we have an obsession with first place. If we're not in first place, we look at ourselves as losers, as failures, and that might be okay in a sports game, but not in life. We can't carry that over into our personal lives. That means disaster, because the problem is only one person can be first. If we strive together for first place, jealousy, anytime we're in a group, jealousy between individuals, between churches, that's going to be the inevitable result. However, if we individually strive together to be best, we can love one another in that goal, we can help one another in that goal, and that is a goal that takes into account our individual differences. Not everyone has to be first in order for God's best to happen. I don't have to be first in order for God's best to happen. God asks for our best, not that we be first. Isaac also reminds me of the truth that God's place is never really second place. God's place is never really second place. There's no such thing as second place in God's kingdom. How could you be not as saved as someone else or not as loved by God as another person? No such thing. There's no such thing as second place in Christ's body. Not one part of the body is more important or less important. In fact, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 12 that the parts that seem least important are actually the most important. And there is no such thing as second place with God's love. God asks for our best, not that we be first. God's place is never really second place. And God... God asks us to be servants, not superstars. That's a third truth that I see in the life of Isaac. In America, not only do you have to be first, you have to be a celebrity while being first. You have to be noticed. 
We have this superstar mentality. The successful people are the popular people, are the well-known people. God does not ask us. He does not ask you to be well-known worldwide. He instead places demands upon your character. He asks you to love him and to love others. That's what he asks of us. If, as you strive to be a saint, to live out all that God has made you to be in Christ, God places you in a place of prominence, praise him and allow him to use that place to serve others, to serve him. If he places you in a place of little recognition, praise him also, recognizing that that place, he's gonna use you there. And there may be little recognition on this earth, but it's a place of great influence for the kingdom of God. You look at Isaac, you wouldn't really call Isaac a flashy individual. In fact, he was rather shy and backward. He didn't marry until he was 40. He dug wells seemingly as his profession. He spent his entire life in one small area. He wasn't a flashy individual, yet he was used of God in a great way, in a mighty way, in the carrying forth of the promises of God. That tells us a lot about the kind of people that God uses, all kinds of people. He was a man who dug wells, and he was a man used of God. Whether you're a hydraulic engineer or a digger of wells, God can use you. Don't limit God by saying he can't use me. I'm in second place. I'm not noticed. What, what if Isaac had done that? God, God asks for our best. God asks for our obedience. God asks you to expect to be used. God asks you, whatever place he's put you in his kingdom, to recognize that he is using you for his glory. Jesus Christ, as we spend a moment talking to you, we thank you, we praise you, that you are first. You are the one that we look to. So we don't have to live in jealousy and competition. And yet it enters our hearts at times because we compare. Forgive us, Lord. Because we want to be first. Because we think recognition is going to get us something that we don't have. Some sense of significance. Some sense of love. When the truth is, the significance that we have in you, the love that we receive from you, there is nothing. There's nothing that we could gain in this life that could meet that need. So thank you for loving us. Thank you for calling us. And I pray wherever you've put us in your kingdom that today we would see that when we give our best to you, when we give our heart and our all to you, God, we are bringing glory to you. Help us to see that today, Jesus, we pray in your name. Amen. And we'll see you back tomorrow for chapter 27. We're going to enter full on into the story of Jacob. Jacob. 